Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names, All Game. The sad music is playing. It is November 17th. We're several days removed, but honestly, we didn't care all that much to get this one out quick. Your Penn State, Nittany Lions, are now 6-4 and four after a 21-17 loss to the Michigan Wolverines at home. And a really, really frustrating outing. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host Pat Calicchio. Pat, how are you feeling, man? Yeah, I mean, it was just because, like, the first quarter, you're going, all right, we haven't walked away as many points as, as we wanted, but like, we should win this one. And then second and third quarter happened, you're like, oh, I just don't, don't see it happening for us. Like, it has the, you know, feels like one of those games where we just don't really have it. We don't match up. And then the fourth quarter comes along, and we tie the game up, and we take a lead, and we feel like you're sitting pretty. Because uh, all, you know, we just need our defense to stop them and just heartbreak and then heartbreak again when we get the ball back. It's, uh, it was, it was an emotional roller coaster. I think I've said that pretty much every week this season. Uh, my heart can't take this. I'm losing my hair. My beard is going gray. Um, it's not great, but obviously we have a lot to get into. Um, we'll start with a couple of news, newsworthy things that have been going on in the Penn State world. Uh, don't really need to get into them too deep, but a couple things have happened. So the Senior Bowl uh, is happening. Invitations are being accepted. We have three guys who have accepted invitations to the Senior Bowl already. That's Jesse Lucchetta, Jaquan Brisker, and Arnold Abacady. Uh, so congrats to those guys. Going to be down there in Mobile, Alabama with a chance to boost their draft stocks higher than they already are. Are. Um, I would guess we get three or four more guys there. Um, I think Jahan is obviously a clear candidate to be in the senior bowl. I think Cliff could be one of the quarterbacks that gets taken. Typically, you know, the, the surefire first rounders aren't always guys that go there. Um, but this is year, too, Jahan there aren't senior any. eligibility. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you might be because last year didn't count. Um, yeah, maybe, but he's still technically, um, okay. I, I think, I think it's like you get the extra year, but you still classify as what you would be. So like, I think like super senior will become like super, super senior <laughs> if they decide to stay. Um, but I'd imagine Jahan goes, um, I could see Cliff going, Ellis Brooks, Jagger Brown, Tariq Castro Fields accepted last year before coming back. Um, maybe Derek Tangelo. There, there are some other guys I would guess we get three to four more, but it's cool to see our boys getting some representation, um, getting a chance to improve their draft stock. Yeah, absolutely. Then um, when you say go, you mean just go to the senior bowl, right? Not, not go-go? What do you mean by go-go? Like leave the program? Well, if they go to the senior bowl, they're leaving the program, yes. Well, well Tariq didn't. But he didn't actually go to the senior bowl, though, did he? Oh, I thought he did. I, could, I don't remember. I thought he accepted his invite but then didn't actually go because he, he decided to come back. Okay. I mean, I could I, be, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure if you play in one of those bowls, like you, you have to go. I could be very wrong on that. I'll look it up. I know. I'd be surprised if Clifford leaves the program after the season. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that at some point in this episode, <laughs> too, I'm sure. Um, other newsworthy things, then we'll get into the game. Um, the Broyles Award, just given out to the top assistant in the country. Uh, Brent Pry is nominated. I tweeted out yesterday, you know, it hasn't been an ideal year. Um, but obviously his defense has played at, at championship levels at time this season. Uh, definitely well-deserved. And then Jahan Dotson is a semifinalist for the Boletnikoff Award. 
goes out to the top pass catcher. Um, we've had a bunch of semifinalists recently. Uh, Stout is, is for the punter award, the Ray Guy award. Uh, I think Brandon Smith was the Bednarik. Uh, for the best linebacker, semifinalist. Brisker was a semifinalist for one of the defensive awards. We've had a bunch of them. Um, Jahan is the only one I think that will actually be a finalist for his. And I think he deserves it. I think, you know, I think they'll probably cut it down to three guys or something like that. Uh, and I think he's one of the top three pass catchers in the country. So I hope he wins it. I mean, how many guys are having a much better season than him? Not many. There's, like I said, there's a handful that I think you could argue that are, are up there. Um, but I think he, he deserves it. So we'll see end of season if he gets that. But all of that being said, we are going to get into the Michigan game. And listen, it's Wednesday as we're recording this. If you are listening to this, that means you're a glutton for punishment. You want to relive the misery with us. It's not fun, but we're going to do it. So let's start, as always, with our awards. We start with the Lion, the MVP of the game. Pat, who's your Lion? Um, Got to go with Arnold Ebiketti, man. Great this guy has been an absolute stud, uh, transfer portal, just phenom. Uh, he's got two sacks, the strip, the strip sack for the fumble, a pass deflection, I think, somewhere in there. Uh, seven tackles. I mean, just a hell of a game, man. He's been such a, uh, a bright spot on this team. And, like, for a program that was kind of against the transfer portal for a little bit, you know, talk about changing minds. Yeah, um, that's a great pick. I almost picked him. I figured you were going to. I actually do have an award for him. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck it. He's going to get all of them. Here's the highlight of the game. Um, yeah, for, for like you said, for, for a team that didn't utilize the transfer portal, this is now poster boy for, hey, you can come to Penn State for one year, ball out. And, I mean, he's looking like – I don't I'm not a draft expert. I could see him getting drafted in the second round easily especially when you look at the pass rushers that are, are in the NFL as rookies this year and Micah Parsons and Odafe Owe, teams take notice of programs that produce good people at certain positions. Now, yeah, he was only with us for a year, but he had a great year. Um, so I could absolutely see him being a recruiting pitch that Franklin and co uh, use as they're talking to guys in the transfer portal going forward. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. He should be, you know, I think first two days, I don't think that's, especially with the sort of premium that edge rushers go for in the NFL, I'd be shocked if he's not first two days. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And we'll do a whole draft preview at some point, probably after the last game of the season. But uh, he, he will be one of the highlights for sure. Um, my Lion, I, I was going to go AK. I figured you were going to go with him. Um, this is one. He probably won't win another one this year, maybe next year. Who knows? Uh, I'm going Tyler Warren. Um, he had the touchdown catch on fourth and goal when we were down 14 to six, less than eight minutes left, absolutely needed this play to work. And he hauls in just a really difficult catch. Did he have an amazing game? No. Did he put up a ton of stats? No, but he gave us a chance to be in the game with that catch. And I'll be honest, if that was Brenton Strange, I would have been like, oh God, he's going to drop it. Uh, Theo Johnson has had, you know, moments where he's looked and, and I didn't know who it was. I just see a big body tight end going up and I'm like, Oh God, what's going to happen? He bobbles, he bobbles. It felt like time was in slow motion, but he comes down with the catch. Then we go in for the two point conversion with dots. And it was just a really nice moment. So for this week, Tyler Warren, you're my line. I love that. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously he's our third string tight end. He hasn't had a huge season, but he's had some timely plays, some fourth down conversion, some big stuff, you know? He's definitely got a, you know, he's a guy you're looking at going into next season. Absolutely. All right. Shout out to our Lions of the Week. Let's get into awards. Pat, what is your first award of the week? I'm giving out the, uh, the Anchor Award. The Anchor. 
Mm-hmm. Someone holding us down, like negatively holding us down, dragging us down? Po- positively. Okay, holding down the fort, positively holding it down. Uh, who's that go to? Ellis Brooks, man. I think I've given this guy several awards for how he has performed uh, sort of compared to what he was being promoted as this season. We had, a, you know, I think everyone agreed, a good linebacking crew coming into the season. But he was the third guy everyone was talking about. And he has really been impressive. And he plays aggressively. He makes a lot of tackles. He plays smart. He's solid against the pass. I mean, Ellis Brooks has been really great for us. Led the team yeah. in tackles again this week. Yeah, he had to hit something crazy, like 16 tackles or something, right? Yep. He was in on just everything. Yeah. Yeah, and he's another guy I mentioned as a potential candidate for the Senior Bowl. He's one that's real interesting. Could use that extra year of eligibility, come back, and like play himself into you know a, a first second day pick or does he go and take his chances you know not wanting to take the wear and tear of another season um it'll be interesting to see what he does um my first award i spoiled it already it's going to arnold Katie. this is the energizer bunny award um the guy just doesn't stop fourth quarter everyone's tired it's been a long game he has two huge moments this is right after we tied the game he has the pass deflection where he's right in mcnamara's face and then he has the strip sack to get us the ball back in Michigan territory. The fact that we didn't convert on that is not here nor there. That we didn't get a touchdown out of that is absurd. But Arnold Ebicady, the Energizer Bunny, just nonstop. The guy, you, you hear NFL people love to talk about, this guy's got a high motor. He's got a high motor. I mean, he just embodies all of that. And you, you already talked about it, so I won't beat the horse to death. But Arnold, I love you, man. You know, it's funny. I almost gave him an award with the same name. Really? I also gave me the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> oh my God, look at that. Hey, we're hitting our stride. You know, it's, it's, post, it's, it's late in the season for us exactly. too, but we're getting there. All right, second award. What do you got? I am going with the Foo Fighters Award. Foo Fighters. I mean, they are so, there are so many songs. I'm not going to try to guess which song you're referring to. Tell the people what it is. There Goes My Hero. <laughs> Arnold Epichetti. <laughs> did, you just, did you just give this man your lion yep. and another award? That's okay. right. This is okay. the Arnold Epichetti podcast. This yeah, is the Arnold Epichetti season, as far as I'm concerned. I started uh, using Hey Arnold gifts for him, and it, it, right. made, me, it made me so happy. That's right. I, I, did, I can't speak hardly enough Every Watch time him I feel as like, he goes. That's right. Every time I feel like we are in dire straits, it feels like Arnold Epichetti is doing something huge to keep us in the game. Yeah, so, and honestly, he will go he to the NFL three draft. So, so there goes our hero. Exactly. He's gone. Yes. We barely getting, knew him. He's getting three awards. This, this you know what? Well, well deserved. And it's funny because I always like I've always thought about the transfer portal in a weird way of like guys that leave Penn State. I still kind of root for and I still kind of claim as my own. Like Will Levis, I've been cheering for him. Antonio Shelton, I've been cheering for him. Jawan Johnson, when he left, I was cheering for him. Gino Lewis, I was cheering for him. So like I still kind of claim them as my own. I wasn't sure how I would feel the other way with like one guy coming in for just a year. Like, could I get attached? Oh, baby. Oh, I'm attached. I'm attached. <laughs> so when he tears it up in the NFL, it will be Penn Stater Arnold Epicady. I don't want to hear none of this Temple bullshit. That's right, kid. Um, all right. My next award is the Oof Tough Look Award. Um, that's got to be somewhere on the offensive line. Uh, you, you would think, and it, it rightfully could go there, but this one goes to James Franklin. He was caught on camera saying, oh, my 
fucking God. Um, <laughs> that GIF has been shared across Twitter endlessly, uh, has been used as memes. Everyone's saying, same, James, same. Um, and yeah, man, like, that's what we're all feeling when we don't finish drives. That's what we feel when we miss a field goal. That's what we feel when we can't tackle Hassan Haskins on a third and 16 screen or some bullshit. We are allowed to say that when we're sitting on our couches, probably not the best thing for you to get caught on camera saying. So I get it. He's a human. He has emotions. understand that. But oof, tough look. Honestly, I don't mind him saying it. No? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, You don't think he, that's a bad look for him to like openly just be distraught on the sideline? I, I mean, listen, there's, they blew a field goal. I think I'm sorry. That was... Like the hold didn't look great, and you know I'm not going to say like I'm not going to blame this game on Jordan Stout. He's been very good all season. A couple of miscues with the field goals, but like he kicked it like three inches behind the ball. It wasn't even like it was just like an inaccurate kickoff that happens. Like he didn't kick the ball, man. That's yeah, like when sure, you that's but... like when you hit a beautiful drive down the center of the fairway, and you're like seventy yards out. You take out your lob wedge and chunk it like thirty <laughs> yards in front of you. Like yeah, I say oh my fucking god when I do that too. <laughs> I don't know. The way, the way I saw it is like we weren't finishing drives. We weren't converting when we needed to. Like you can't be mad at a guy missing a 47-yard field goal when you can't get your offense into the red zone. And when you do, you make questionable decisions, which we'll get into in a minute. So I'm not even like – I'm not even mad that Franklin said it because it's what we're all thinking. I just – again, it's, it's a tough look as, you know, face of the program to be that down. You know, and, and again, you don't want him sitting there clapping, saying, it's okay, it's okay, because then people will be like, hey, why are you clapping? We're, we're doing awful. So, like, it's a can't-win situation for James Franklin. I think it was just a tough look. I see what you mean, but I think, uh, you know, I view it as like a kick-in-the-ass kind of situation. Like, it's time to <laughs> – yeah. I just wrapped it with my dog being right now. Izzy is very much in this podcast right now. She is walking on keyboards, making noise. We're off the rails, people. We are off the rails. But look at Um, her. She's so cute. She's very cute. Anyway, um, let's get into the rest of the game. Um, We have so much to talk about. Let's start with one of the hot topics that everyone talked about, the fake field goal from the two-yard line. So we have a Twitter question that comes in from Steve Silver says, is removing that fake field goal from the playbook enough, or should it be launched into space and detonated? So, Pat, what are your, what's your take on that play, the fake field goal from the two that Jordan Stout got tackled on? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't have uh, a problem with the fact that we went for it on fourth down. Um, I don't have a problem with the fact that we have a fake field goal in there. He showed there, like, you know, a couple of plays earlier that he's athletic enough to – do a fake and get a first down. What I have a problem with is that it was fourth and two like on the goal line. Keep your offense out there. And that, you know, anytime you're kind of like counting on your kicker or punter or holder to like out football guys who got scholarships to play not kicker and punter and holder, you're kind of tempting fate. Yeah. And if you just did it like six plays ago, I don't know, maybe let's hold off for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because you even, like, not only did it not work, but, like, here's the thing. With an actual, like, position football player in there, it might have worked. He had, like, and I'm not saying he would have made it, but he had at least a chance at getting to the end zone. Yeah, so that's the thing that everyone's talking about is that he cut back in rather than going outside. I think he gets chased down either way. Probably, but you know who doesn't get chased down? Like a wide receiver. 
Sure, but you're not going to put a wide receiver in on a fake. Everyone knows it's no, a but fake. I'm saying like they just like just random an offensive play. Yes, agreed. Yeah. agreed. <laughs> so we're on the same page. I thought you were saying put a wide receiver in for a fake field goal. No. Anyway, I agree. I think that's what everyone says. If you're going to do that, why not just put your offense on the field and put your best against their best? When that play works is when you're like just too far for a field goal, but you don't want to punt and you try to catch them off guard. That's when you run that play. Um, so I, I don't think he gets it even if he stays outside, but I, I would have kept the offense on the field. Um, the other thing, and I tweeted a lot about this, is like, why not challenge the spot? Um, Theo was inbounds and reached out to the half-yard line. Now I'll say this. It shouldn't matter if you're on the half-yard line or the two-yard line. Your offense should be taking that regardless. But if you're on the half-yard line, it becomes even more of a no-brainer. Snap the ball to Cliff and push him in. It like, shouldn't matter as far as the decision to go for it, but it certainly matters as far as the play you're going to call. Yeah, you're under center. Sn- Cliff. Cliff snaps the ball, and you have Kevon Lee and Noah Kane behind him, pushing him into the end zone. That's it. Um, what also sucks the most is that that play beforehand that Cliff didn't have his most accurate throw to Theo Johnson. If it's accurate, he walks in for a touchdown. Um, Theo made a great catch and leaped to try to get the pylon. He, he comes up a half a yard short. Um, that hurts, but it all comes down to th- this was a an ugly spot in a game where we weren't finishing drives. We just weren't finishing drives, and this was a chance to capitalize, to let your offense punch them in the mouth, get in the end zone, and go up. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, – but it also, like, it speaks to the state of the the offense right now that they didn't trust, yeah. you know, just a running back to take that in. Yeah, two yards. two yards. Sad. Sad. Let's move on to why maybe we don't trust some of the running backs and why things are bad. We're going to take a brief commercial break. Pat needs something. All right, listeners, this is me and you, because I'm probably not going to edit this out. Um, Pat needed a break. He's going to do something. How are you guys? How's your day going? Take a minute. Think about, you know, what, uh, what what's going well in your life. This podcast has a lot of bad things. It's not fun, um, but it's football. We got better things going on in our life. Yeah, you, How's your work going? How's your family? You got some good things happening? I'm sure you do. And we're back. Um, that commercial break was brought to you by Izzy the dog. Izzy the dog, yes, um, broke my couch again. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, we were talking about poor running game. With poor running game comes poor offensive line play. So we have several Twitter questions all around the same topic. So I'm just going to read them out one by one, and then we'll talk about our offensive line. Uh, Barry Megan, or Majin, says, what is Troutline doing, and is he on the hot seat? Josh, a dude Joshua, says, can anyone else play right tackle besides Caden Wallace? Uh, Fake J-Pa says, why hasn't the RPO been scrapped for a pistol or pro set if the O-line is struggling with the uncertainty of run versus pass blocking? Mr. Fab says, is a change necessary at the O-line coaching position, or is it more schemes? So obviously there's a whole lot not going well offensive line-wise. We let up seven sacks in this game, four or five in the first half. Cliff just looked absolutely beat up. Uh, There's poor running back. Uh, pass protection throughout the entire game, whether it was Kevon or John Lovett. Um, and then there's this still image that we will we will talk about. So CJ Scalzetti, our good friend, says, just discuss this photo, why it should be blown up to poster size and put on every scholarship O-line locker in Lash. If you haven't seen the photo, check out our Twitter. It's on there. Basically, it is Clifford with Aiden Hutchinson grabbing at his legs, three other defenders crashing down on him, and our offensive line kind of on the floor, and Rasheed Walker just standing there. Um, I will say this photo looks a lot worse than the actual play was. They were all chop blocking, which is why they're on the ground. Rashid Walker got beat. He is just standing there, which looks really, really bad. 
And that's why all the defenders could recover and get in on Cliff. This, this still is not the horror story that everyone makes it out to be. Pat, what are your thoughts on the outline? Yeah, so I, this, you're exactly right about that still picture. There's only one bad block in that picture, and it's Rasheed Walker. The rest of the guys did their jobs. All those defensive linemen went down, and then the slant just wasn't open. And, and, and even, even if it was, it was, I mean, Rasheed Walker gets beat, so Aiden Hutchinson is coming in unblocked to Cliff. Yeah. He can't get the pass off, which is why exactly. the rest of the defensive linemen are able to get in on it. But, I mean, it's just, um, you know, I have a hard time thinking it's Troutwine because, you know, these problems existed before he got here. Uh, they were just as bad. Uh, they've been bad for, like, since before James Franklin got here. Been bad since Bill O'Brien was here. And, you know, I have a hard time looking at a guy who was, like, building All-American linemen at Boston College and then getting four-star recruits here. I'm like, that's clearly the problem. I don't know if it's scheme again. I, I don't think so because it's just, like, not that hard to pass block. And it's not that hard to run block. Like, this, the, when you watch it, it's not, like, it's really complicated stuff that's going wrong. It's like you got guys blocking wrong guys. You got guys not just not getting a hat on a hat. Like it's fairly simple. And I, I don't know why that's happening. Um, I, you know, it's hard for me to say like as a coach, you know, I don't know how hard you think you have to drill into it. I, Hey, block. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously there's more to it than that, that we don't understand. Um, I don't know that trout wine is the problem. Um, but I also don't want to start over. Like we we've done this every two or three years where we bring in a new O-line coach, unless there's a top five O-line coach out there that's available that you think you can bring in. Like why start over? I, I don't get it. But I, I think this is just systemic. Like we have not gotten super high recruits at O-line. We get like one every now and then. So Landon Tengwall came in last year. So it was a high, high tackle recruit. Um, we've had some four stars that have come in. I mean, Mike Miranda was a, uh, a highly rated recruit, wasn't he? Um, I don't know. Mike Mennett was Mike Mennett, sorry. Um, Mike Mennett was real high. But that's what I'm saying. We get like one every other year. We're not getting them in waves like in Iowa or Wisconsin or, or in Alabama. Like we're not getting waves of four and five star prospects. So if we're not getting good recruits, then we need to develop the ones that we, we have. That hasn't happened. If we're not developing the ones that we have, guess what? Recruits don't want to come here. Yeah. Uh, Nolan Rucci, two years ago, you know, this prized, prized top recruit uh, O-tackle that we thought we had a lean. Guess where he ended up? Wisconsin. Why? They produce the position. Hard to blame um, them. Yeah, I, exactly. So, so if, if the coaches aren't above average and they're not developing lesser recruits into top recruits, I don't know how the cycle stops. And the scariest part really is not just this vicious cycle that we're stuck in, but it's the regression. Rashid Walker came into this year with legit first round buzz. He was in mock drafts for first round. And I know mock drafts before a season is stupid, but that's where his perception was coming into this year. He has been not good this year. And again, this is not, he's a better athlete than I'll ever be in my entire life, but he has not been good. I don't think he is a fourth round pick at this point. Uh, maybe he's a fourth rounder. I don't know. Um, Caden Wallace looked great last year. 
he's looked lost sometimes this year. And people are saying maybe he's just not a tackle. Maybe he needs to bump in and play guard. Maybe he's just better suited for that. I don't know. So I think from like a scheme standpoint, from a development standpoint, it's just, it's everything. It's, it's, we haven't built a good O-line program. So it just constantly feeds into itself of mediocrity. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I, I thought Troutline was a pr- pretty much a home run hire when we got him uh, based off his track record at a school that's getting way less recruits. Um, so I don't know if I, I think you got to give him time, but it's like, I don't know. Does it really, how much does it boil down to the O-line coach? Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's, I, let's, I do let, not let's know say what the too, answer is. I don't either. And let's say this is the best pass rush we've faced all season. They are incredible. You've got two basically all Americans in Brazil, Jabo and Hutchinson. So take that with a grain of salt, but it was just an ugly performance. Capping, capping an ugly okay. year. Exactly. Um, Let's move on with some more negatives, and then we'll, we'll, we'll flip it into some positives and some high outlook. Um, the final Michigan touchdown, um, 60-something yards, 70-something yards, whatever in the hell it was. With a um, tight end. Ugh. With a tight end. It was ugly. Go watch. Go watch for the bloggy. Coach Kududi breaks this whole thing down. Um, basically, what he says, if you don't want to watch the whole video, I recommend you do. It's awesome. Um, Basically, he says that, you know, uh, our, our true freshman corner, Kalen King, uh, just gets mixed up in that crossing route. Question comes, why is Kalen King, is he our best option in the fourth quarter when we're down and we're trying to prevent points? No, no, we're, we're up. We're up, sorry, we're and we're trying, to perver- we're trying to yeah. preserve the The only the thing lead. we can't do is let up a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love Caleb King. He's shown flashes here, but why, why is your true freshman out there in the end of the game? I don't know. Um, Jerry Brown takes a poor angle, just doesn't, doesn't give himself a chance to catch I don't, him. I mean, I, I didn't get to see what like the back angle on that was, but like, where is Jair Brown on that play? Yeah. This poor he, angle doesn't really it, totally explain it because if he had just taken way too steep of an angle, he would have been at the end zone waiting for this guy. Like yeah. Jair Brown, I can guarantee you was a lot faster than Eric all. Yeah, he he bit the other way. He he yeah he, he was must play in high safety. He went the other way and then couldn't recover with a good enough angle, basically. So I mean that did it in for us. And then the final drive, we're down twenty one seventeen. I don't know about you, but it just seems so uninspired. Like there was no energy. I almost like even before the fourth down play happened, like I was like, we're not gonna. Get I this. felt like yeah. I I'll be honest. I was watching that just going, I don't see it happening. It felt so, so anticlimactic. Um, and then the fade on fourth and two happens and everyone loses their mind. Again, go watch Coach Caduti. He breaks this down. Uh, what he says is that it wasn't just a pure fade. It was it's designed. Yeah. yeah, it was designed for the two men to kind of cut in and then both go out, hopefully getting the DBs mixed up and the DB made a good play. I still don't think that's a very high percentage option when it's fourth and two and you're banking on the DBs getting mixed up and your guys both going deep. Like, I don't love the play call personally. I, I wish there were more options on that play. I wish there was a better high percentage <clears throat> chance, but it, it just like, it never stood a chance. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there could have been a better play call there. Um, you know, I don't know our entire playbook, so difficult to say, uh, but you know, I like, Michigan did kind of play that perfectly because not only does the corner like stick with uh, Cam Sul- it was Cam Sullivan Brown, right? Yeah. Uh, but Parker Washington just gets jammed at the line of scrimmage. Right. I mean, like they couldn't have played that better. Like, not only does the guy not bite on like Cam Sullivan Brown just trying to get a first down, the guy in the route who is just trying to get a first down doesn't even get there. 
So there's, it lessens the pressure on that cornerback because the, the two receivers never actually get to that point where they break out. Right. Only the one receiver gets to his breakout point. And, yeah. and the corner plays it perfectly. You know, I mean, I agree. If, if it works here, like here's in from my somewhat limited football knowledge, if our receivers, if both our receivers are, are able to run their routes, how that works is you either have Parker Washington open for like a shorter pass first down or that corner bites on Cam Sullivan Brown. They either get like mixed up almost like a pick or the yep. corner like thinks Cam Sullivan Brown is just going to run like a short route for the first down, gets too aggressive. And then all of a sudden we have like a 70 yard touchdown because Cam Sullivan Brown's wide open. I, I get it when we're, when we're down and it's, it's fourth quarter, I don't want to be banking on, are these guys going to get mixed up or are they not basically? Cause that's what it comes down to. Like, it's a play it, that probably it's a yes works. or a no. Yeah. It's a play that probably works a lot better if Jahan Dotson's in the game. Yeah, true. And he, he was out on that play. So, so it's, it's in my head, it's a yes or a no. I'd much rather see some sort of like five receiver spacing concept where you have several different options or cliff can take off with his legs, which he was doing really well early in the game. Um, Again, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I don't know what I'm talking about. It was just frustrating to watch. Um, let's finish up the other negatives that I have written down. Uh, Joey Porter, for as good as he has been, not his best game. Uh, the first two yeah. touchdowns were, were against him in coverage. He just got beat. Um, I know he's been working on trying to be not as physical because he has gotten several pass interference calls and holding calls. Um, but, you know, he just – he was – it seems like the, the first one where it was like kind of that post route over the middle, like – he was like right on the dude's hip. It almost looked like he just didn't get his head around didn't to try to play, make a play yeah. on the ball. Um, and then the second one, they were in the red zone. Same thing. Guy just gets inside leverage on him and breaks in. Look at us inside leverage. I'm watching enough coach Caduti. I'm starting to talk like him. Uh, uh, so Joey Porter, love you. Not your best game. And then John Lovett, my guy, my guy, the drops killed me. Uh, we are down seven, three in the second quarter. It's third and eight. Perfect lob from cliff. Perfect lob just drops it over the shoulder. Not great, but, you know, still early in the game. Uh, but then in the fourth quarter, when we're down 14-6, it's third and four, there's a swing pass. He just turns his head upfield before the ball gets to him and hits him in the shoulder pads. Um, I don't think he was going to convert anyway. We did end up converting on fourth down, but come on, man. Come on. Uh, those are all my negatives that I have for this game. Yeah, I mean, I think this probably puts to rest a lot of the John Love RB1 talk. Yeah, yeah. You want to flip to some positives? Sure. My guy, Kevon Lee, RB1, got the bulk of the carries. Thank God. He had 20 carries for 88 yards, which is, I believe, the high of the season uh, for a single running back. Uh, so that's 4.4 yards per carry and a long of 15. Uh, Lovett only had four carries. So he actually got the lion's share of the carries this time, Kevon Lee. 20 out of you know 25 or 26 carries. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Um, and Noah Kane with no carries. Yeah. That's a surprising one. Um, I do like that uh, Kevon Lee was the undisputed RB1 in this game. Uh, definitely needs to work on his pass pro a little bit. But at least he runs the ball well. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's I love Noah Kane. I, he's one of my favorite players. I loved him at his peak. It just hasn't been there this year. Just hasn't been there. Um, let's see other positives. You alluded to it before the fake punt on the first drive. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. And you know what the funny part is? Apparently they weren't going to do it until Michigan called timeout. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, I thought Michigan <laughs> called the timeout because they thought something was coming and then we did yes. it to them anyway. 
no, they, they thought something was coming and then they called timeout. We go, well, should we do it now? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, great throw from Jordan Stout. Give, give him the Ray Guy Award, which is the best punter in the country. Exactly. Like, he deserves it. Uh, nice catch from, yeah, linebacker Curtis Jacobs was, was catching that ball. Pretty damn good. Um, and then, yeah, we just needed to convert that into a touchdown instead of a field goal. Momentum, people. This is, this is what killed us. Well, I, I would have taken a field goal there, too, at that point, actually. Is that the one we missed? No, that was the one that we – Oh, that was, was the fake. fake field goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, we did two fakes on the same drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Sorry, I'm trying not to remember. I'm in my positive mind space. Um, I just mentioned it earlier. Cliff, decisive running early on. He felt pressure and escaped. Uh, first quarter looked incredible. I don't know what happened to that the rest of the game. It wasn't quite there. Yeah, I mean, he started getting a lot of pressure, um, got hit a few times, and they, they, the offense just kind of didn't get back into a rhythm until the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, another positive first quarter, defense. Two, three and outs, multiple near interceptions. Batted balls, bobbled balls, almost interceptions. That first quarter defense was lights out. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the – Defense did no points in the first and then a touchdown in each ensuing quarter. That's not bad. It's not yes. twenty one points to a nine and one Michigan team is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. We held them to twenty one points. They averaged thirty six. Damn good. We held them as much as it felt like Hassan Haskins was doing whatever he wanted to us. We held them to 144 rushing yards. Their average is two thirty four. We held them to ninety less than they normally hit. That's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And I, I thought Hassan Haskins was very, very good. He's yeah, he was, super talented. He was kept in check at times. You know, like, did, did he have a great day? Of course he did. He ran for 144 yards. It's tremendous. But it wasn't like every time he touched the ball, it was first down. Yeah, there were a lot of, like, stops at the line of scrimmage, a lot of stops in the backfield, a lot of the, – the, the thing that killed me was, like, the second efforts, where we'd have him wrapped up and he would stretch for three or four more yards. Yeah, maybe, maybe that that's, was Maybe that's more impressive. kudos to him than bad on our defense. But all in all, man, our defense played pretty damn good. I put this game on the offense not being able to finish. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, um, you know, and then, other than one really timely bad play by the defense. Yes. I'd yes, exactly. And even with that, we should have we should have been able to put up enough points to counteract that previous to that play. Um, yeah, I mean, my we last... scored what one touchdown the whole game. You are correct, sir. On the fourth down to Tyler Warren. Yeah, like that's pretty pathetic. Yeah, yeah, because we had the what do we have the touchdown, the two point conversion, that's and then eight. two field goals. Three field goals. We had seventeen points. Yeah, yeah. So so oh. three field goals. Yeah, must have been. Um, here nor there. We're rambling, yeah, yeah, guys. Thanks for listening. But Thanks I mean, for like listening. The, we're rambling. The frustrating part was like our struggle was the exact thing that I thought we would do to Michigan. I thought we would yes. force them to kick a lot of field goals to you know set up field goals instead of getting touchdowns. Instead, that was us, and yeah. they were perfect in the red zone. That was our, that was our key to victory in our preview episode was hold them to field goals, make yeah. them kick, and they didn't kick a is, single field goal. We did it to ourselves, folks. We did yeah. it to ourselves. Uh, my last positive that I have is Jahan Dotson, still amazing. Um, fourth down conversions, two-point conversions, breaking long gains on screens. He didn't have his best statistical game. Parker, I think, actually outgained him from a couple of big plays. But Jahan Dotson, you're amazing. I love you. I can't wait to see you in the NFL. Would have to agree. 
All right, we got a couple more Twitter questions that are a little bit more high level. Um, we talked about this one a little bit, but this is a little bit more direct. This is Matt, PSU Cello 13, uh, says something is going to change this offseason. Some change is going to need to be made. Do you think player turnover is enough, or do you think there's a shakeup on the staff? If it's the staff, who goes? So do you think there's any sort of coaching staff changes this offseason? It's hard to say because I think Troutwine is too new. He's, this is his second year and his first, like, actual, you know, full season. Um, Brent Pry is not going anywhere. Nope. Unless he um, got some sort of head coaching job that he wanted to leave, exactly. but I don't think that's, I don't think that's happening. Um, if you look at, like, areas of struggle so far this season, the only other place you go to is the running backs, and I don't see Juwan Sider going anywhere. No way. So, like, who else would be – you know what I mean? Who else would – Yeah, no, I agree. Would, I, which I don't think is – I no, don't really think no. he's the problem either. No, definitely not. I think, I think, I think first year in a new system, not having the – you know, all the tools and resources that you needed, not having a great O-line, not having a running game, I don't think he's the problem. And, listen, we're not going to our third offensive coordinator in three years. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Uh, so I think like the only one – profile offensive coordinator. Exactly. You, know, he's not you move going on anywhere. from every, everyone was talking about what a great hire Kurt Chiraca, Kurt Chiraca was, and then you go, oh, you can kind of excuse it because you, you get Mike Yurcich. Like, okay, like this is a big name. Like people are really hype on him. Okay, fine. But then if you move on from him after one season, like who wants that offensive coordinator job? Yeah, exactly. So he's not going anywhere. And that the, to that point, I think that's the only way Troutwine would get let go is if there's some mega superstar stud offensive line coach out there that wants to come to Penn State for some reason, which spoiler alert doesn't exist. So I don't think there's any changes. I think you have the weird COVID year. We start 0 and five things suck. He made the splashy change. He got his offensive coordinator. He got the guy that he wanted. Defense has been great this year for, for yes, we've lost four games, but the defense has been fucking fantastic. Um, you get Yersich, who also, guess what, is bringing in Drew Aller, the saver that everyone wants. He's he's the reason that he's coming to Penn State, so you're not you're not doing anything there. And there's just no reason to get rid of anyone else. So I understand we want shakeup. I understand we want change. But, I mean, you got to hope that some of these guys have been getting developed properly and, and we'll be able to step into spots where we need them. And then, yeah, you got a stud recruiting class coming in next year. Yeah, um, so, I mean, you know, we – Mentioned Drew Like, do you think Drew Aller is our starting quarterback next season? I don't. Um, I'm conflicted, man, because like everyone says, like, yeah, Cliff has another year. He can come. Why would Cliff want to come back if he's just getting beat up constantly? Like, do you really think he wants to come back and go through another year of what he just went through? Yeah. Like, it's he gets to play football. He's not. I can tell you, if he leaves right now, he's not playing any more football. He might be a practice squad quarterback. Sure. And that, that's kind of what I see it as. It's a late round. Uh, I mean, how much do you pick, think he maybe? really wants to be a practice squad quarterback? Not at all. Probably not that badly. How much do you think he wants to have his body broken again? Like, I mean, think I about think, the injuries that he went through. You saw him on Saturday. He looked beat up, slow to get up often. Yeah, but he loves – there's a reason he's doing this, man. Like, he loves playing football. I think especially when you look at, like, it's really difficult for guys to move on from being football players. I agree. You know, I was a like a shitty high school football player, and I cried after my last game. You think Sean That's Clifford fair. doesn't want one more go at it with, like, you know, a chance to do something at a university he cares about with a bunch of guys he loves? Like, this is going to be, like, you know, and if, if he left this year, he's not going to be someone's starting quarterback. Like, yeah, there's some, you know, 
out there shot that I'm sure he believes in that he could work his way onto a roster and be good. But like, that's not a realistic chance. Like the last realistic chance he has at like football greatness, something he's been doing since he was probably eight years old over a decade is next year at Penn state. I think that's certainly enough to make him stay. I hear you. I think you're probably right. Um, it's just, I, it's tough for me. Like, Coming into next year, he would be 24 years old as a starting quarterback in college. Like, another year of being battered, of playing behind an offensive line that can't protect you. Like, do you think you can improve your draft stock? Because that's what it would be. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's coming back for one more year of, like, trying to win a Big Ten championship. Maybe he is. Maybe he realizes he's not going to go to the NFL, and that's the height of his football career. Maybe that's what he's looking for. But, like, if I'm coming back as Sean Clifford, it's so that I can improve my draft stock and maybe become a mid-round guy who is a backup somewhere like a Trace McSorley he was, right? Trace was, what, a sixth-round pick, I think? And yeah. has he played in the NFL? Not really, no. But is he making a living as a backup in the Baltimore Ravens? Absolutely. That's what I would come back for if I was Sean Clifford, and I don't know if the risk-reward is there right now for him. I just I, – I get everything that you're saying. I just, like – if I'm him, I think I'd have a hard time saying, yep, I'm going to come back at 24 years old, put my body through all of that again, and – you know, if things don't work out, then I've just added another year of lumps and bruises and I'm still in the same place. I mean, I don't think he has that much of an option, you know? Yeah. You're, you're like, saying he's not a draft pick at all. So what? I mean, he might be, but it's like late. Yeah. And I doubt there's anything that, you know, he can only change that positively if he comes back. Yeah. Fair. Um, I, again, I don't think anyone should expect Drew Aller to be our starter day one and be amazing. Um, but you got to remember, too, we do have Christian Veu, who's a four-star coming in from Canada. Um, you know, we don't know what he has. He hasn't seen game action yet. Maybe he's the bridge guy where he's the starter for next year, and then Aller takes over when he's ready. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what happens. Um, I mean, if, if, I was a, if I could bet on it, I would bet that Sean Clifford is our starting quarterback next season. Yeah. I just I, I worry about that, just the, that, like, just delays the inevitable, too. Because, like, obviously Roberson wasn't ready this year. We don't know if he's the guy next year. If Clifford's our guy again, like, Veyu's going to be sitting there going, what the hell am I doing here? He probably transfers. Okay, then we're down to what? Just Cliff and Aller? Like, you know, it, it, it just – it almost seems like it's delaying the inevitable. And, and Prebola. I am Prebola. Yeah, yeah, but, but my point being, like, it, it almost seems like it's delaying the inevitable. I feel like Cliff's run is kind of done. It wouldn't shock me to see him go to have us step in with, you know, I don't think it's Roberson at this point, but maybe Roberson or Veyu as the guy to start next year and then Aller when he's ready. You see the, uh, uh, the graphic at the beginning of the game about Sean Clifford? Uh, no, I don't think so. Did. Sean Clifford has the best completion percentage of any quarterback yeah. in Penn State history. Yeah, I did see that. I think we talked about that so in like, an episode. And uh, that, by the way, that ago. is – Everyone, everyone's least favorite part about Sean Clifford is his accuracy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe let's be a little realistic about what we can expect, what we've had in the past at quarterback, and what we can expect, you know, next, next season. Like, do you really expect I, someone to come in and be literally the most accurate quarterback Penn State's ever had? Can I be, like, super honest? I'm just yeah. ready for something. I'm ready for something different. I think we've hit our ceiling with Sean Clifford. <laughs> We know what our ceiling is. He showed it to us earlier this year. It didn't stay consistent for not any fault of his own, really. Like the O line. I, I, I think him. we'd be singing a different tune if he was a healthy quarterback. 
Sure. But I, I think, I think we've seen our ceiling. Cause like even, even post injury, we've seen some of the things that were like, maybe they were bound to come back up anyway. Some of the things that we didn't like the decision-making, the taking sacks when he could have escaped. Like, so, and again, I understand it's the offensive line. I'm not, I'm not saying it's all on cliff, but truthful, hundred percent honesty. If we're in the trust tree, I am ready to move on to the next era of Penn State football. And I think we are done with Sean Clifford. I wish him the best. I have turned around completely on him this year. He has made me look like a fool because of how good he was at times this year. And I thank him for everything that he's done for us. I think I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look at the exact opposite way. Um, I want him to be our starting quarterback next year. You, you talk about we've, we've seen our ceiling with him earlier this season. Let's see him was 5-0 and on our way to 6-0 over the number two ranked team in the country. Yeah. Like, you know, it was a pretty good ceiling. Yeah. And he, he was passing for, you know, completion percentages in the mid sixties. He was making deep throws. He was playing better. He was not taking that many sacks. I mean, even this game where he got sacked seven times, I saw probably only one that he like ran himself into. And, you know, at that point where you're getting hit that much, I, I can't blame you too much. Yeah, I agree. And you're right. The ceiling could have been incredible. Like, it's the biggest what if in the world. Is what if he doesn't get injured in Iowa because this whole season feels different. And it's, it almost seems like we just captured that lightning in a bottle. Part of me is still like, all right, is that the real cliff? And will we get that if he comes back next year? Maybe. And I mean, yeah. You'd another have year of your search too? Yeah, you'd have to think it would improve. Another year of your search. Another year of, you know, hopefully the O-line getting better, which I've, I've sworn off. I'm not going to predict that ever. Um, you would hope it gets better, but I don't know. Part of me is just ready to move on and, and start the next chapter, whatever that is. If he comes back, I will accept him with open arms. I will root for him. I will wish for him to take us to the promised land. But uh, I'm I'm conflicted. I wouldn't I wouldn't be sad if he decided to leave. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the thing that would make me most nervous about him coming back is like, I don't know what he looks like without John Dotson. Yeah, but we said that like we've said that for every receiver. Yeah, oh, what, are we gonna, what are we? What are we going to do when KJ leaves? Guess what? Jahan was ready. What are we going to do when Jahan leaves? Guess what? Parker Washington is ready. So, like, I, I don't know. I think I think there's enough talent in that room. Like, Jahan is – I mean, he, he's up there. And, like, you're talking about, like, Mount Rushmore of receivers of, like, my fanhood. It's, like, Allen Robinson, Godwin, KJ Hamler, Dotson. That's off yeah. the top of my head. I'm probably forgetting someone. Um, I mean, Mount Rushmore is only four people, so. I know. Well, that's what I said. Deshaun Hamilton, I love you. You're right up there as well. Maybe yeah. an honorable mention. My point being, Jahan is a generational player. He's been fantastic for us. I, I, I don't think that's a reason that Cliff wouldn't come back. I'm not we saying talking he wouldn't a lot. come back. But... We are talking a lot. Let's yeah. move on. We, we have two more questions. Um, next one is from Shane Lunnan. What are your thoughts on Franklin? Has he reached his peak? feel like now I only want him to stay to keep this terrific 2022 class intact, but I'm torn because I genuinely like him. And overall, he's been good for the program. We talk about this pretty much every week, especially with the coaching rumors. I feel like the coaching rumors are cooling off with every game we lose. Uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on Franklin? Has he reached? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely less worried about him getting poached by another program. because it's almost like who the hell would want him at this point. Um, but I am definitely worried that, yeah, like he has, re- he may have reached his peak in that, you know, when he gave that, you know, great, but not elite speech, what was that as good as his program was going to get? Um, I, you know, I certainly don't think he should lose his job after this season, but, you know, I think I'd give him four years to like, at least be a serious college football playoff contender. 
And like, if next season goes like, you know, if we're not looking at like a nine win season next year, I, I think you have to discuss. Yeah. Maybe it's time to go. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as like, what's his peak we've seen, we've seen him. We, we want a big 10 championship. I know like people, people don't want to say like, Oh, it's been four years ago, but like we won a big 10 championship. So right now what we're seeing right now clearly isn't his peak because we've been higher than this. Um, is that his peak? One big 10 championship every yeah, I mean, that, that's what people are saying that, yeah. that but no, but like that one season was his peak and we're never getting back to it. Possibly, possibly. But I think what people need to realize too is outside of maybe five programs in the entire country, this is normal. Like, I mean, people, People don't realize, like, outside of Alabama, Clemson for a little while, Ohio State, Georgia, I guess, like, Oklahoma. Like, the, there are not teams that go to the playoff every single year. There are not teams that win their conference every single year. Those are the powerhouses. And then there's everyone else. So if you have consistency or you're winning more often than not, that's a hard thing to go away from, again, unless there's some home run higher. Like, unless you really think you're never going to see the light of day with James Franklin again, why? Why would you move on from him right now? And this part too, saying like, I only want him to stay to keep the terrific 2022 class intact. There's no good time for someone to leave. Okay, you keep the 2022 class intact. Do you want him not working on 2023 so that you can fire him? Like, no, he's going to be working to build an even better 2023 class. And what are you going to say next year? Oh, I want him to stay because I want to keep the 2023 class intact. Like, there's never a good time. You want him to recruit well. You want him to do well on the field. So like, put your eggs in that basket and hope that things get better rather than thinking like, well, this is it. We're a mediocre program coming into the season. You and I said, our hope, our hope was nine and three or 10 and two. We said, if it's eight and four, we won't be super happy, but we won't be like crazy bumped. Well, guess what? We're looking at a potential eight and four Michigan state's going to be really hard. Maybe it'll be seven to five, but like it, this isn't the end of the world. This isn't an zero and five start. This is not a losing season. This is a down year. It sucks. It's not fun. But I don't see, like, the fire Franklin crowd. I just don't get it. Who else is out there that you want to bring in that will significantly do better, that will bring you better recruiting classes? And I hear you say he's not an X's nose and he sucks on Saturdays. You take the good with the bad. Everything is all together. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not in the fire Franklin crowd, at least not for this season. I think, again, if if we come out with another seven or eight win season next year, I think it has to be discussed. Um, but like to counter your, you know, eight and four was kind of a benchmark for the season. You know, that was before any of us thought like Sean Clifford could really play quarterback at the level that he did this season. Sure. But you gotta, I mean, that, that, uh, that's irrelevant that, to me. Eight, eight and four was what we thought we could do with Sean Clifford completing half his passes and throwing, you know, I don't know, more than half as many interceptions as touchdowns. And it yeah, hasn't but, been but, like that. Sure, but, but you can't get mad because he started to exceed your expectations and then injury happened. Your I, I, I can get, I your can get initial, mad that he's exceeded expectations and we've still stumbled down the stretch. Sure, because of injury, because he got hurt. We lost three games, basically, because he got hurt. We lost he's Iowa, we lost well Illinois, and we lost Ohio State. I hear you, but that's what I'm saying. We lost three games because of injury. Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State. You can argue Ohio State. We could have won had he had he been fully healthy and we win the two games prior. So at least two games we've lost because of injury. So if we're sitting here saying we wanted nine and three, eight and four is sort of like the lowest we'd accept, that's still happening. 
Like it's still a winning season. And again, I think, I think we get spoiled because yeah, we've been a good program for a long time. There were years. And I mean, look back, you got to look back into the eighties to talk about national championships with Joe Pa. Like it, it just doesn't happen where teams are constantly top five year after year after year after year, unless you're one of those powerhouses. And are we on our way to being one of them? Doesn't feel like it, but these things well, take time. I know, but and my he, point is, my point is, at these the things stage in his career, where like this is the time where it should be happening. Like it's not going to happen much later in his coaching career than this. Sure, but if you bring in a new coach next year or the year after, like, do you think they're going to get it done in two years or three years? No, you're probably going to wait another four or five years. Yeah, but would you rather wait another four or five years than wait forever? Sure, but like, but I, I don't... I'd say if it doesn't happen in the next four years. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's not happening. I think that's fair. I think that's but totally like there, fair. There has to at least be improvement sure. over the next three. Sure. Yeah, this year like, was not I need fair. at least one double-digit win season in the next three seasons. I agree with you, but how quickly we forget that we had three in a row. I, no, I, I don't forget that. But that's most, what's I'm not saying you. We're no I'm not longer saying doing you. it. I agree. I'm not saying you, but a lot of people forget how good that was for three yeah. years in a row, winning 11 games. That doesn't happen around the country. How many programs can say that? And you've had that within the last five years. Like, yeah. I think people get really, really sour really quickly and expect greatness all of the time. And this is the sport that we signed up for, man. One loss kills your season. It's not going to happen every year. You're not going to go undefeated every year. It's going to happen. And unfortunately, one loss spirals into two, spirals into three. Yeah, we need to fix those things. But I don't know. I'm on the side of things that I will fight for Franklin until we have losing seasons, honestly. I'm not quite there. I, I, and I'm probably over-exaggerating right now, but damn it, like, I just, I don't know. I hate the negativity, so let's end, let's end with one more question. Uh, this comes from Mark Brower, BrowCow77. Why do I do, my, do this to myself every week? Uh, why do you do this to yourself every week? I don't know, but if anyone can find a good answer that I can give my girlfriend who doesn't understand college football, I'd love for you to tweet it to us. I have, I have an answer. Uh, you ever see the movie Fever Pitch? Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore? No, you should know better than to think I could watch that movie about the 2004 ALCS. It's awful. Listen, I understand it. As Yankee fans, it killed me to watch, but I did watch it because I'm a sucker for a rom-com. And he gives a speech. Someone says, why do we inflict this on ourselves? And it's the same question. Why do we do this to ourselves? So I'm going to paraphrase and I'm going to replace Red Sox with Penn State. But here's the speech. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Penn State never lets you down. That's right. I mean, why? Why? Because they haven't won a Big Ten championship since 2016? Because they haven't won a national title since 1986? So what? They're here. Every fall, they're here. At noon, at 3.30, or prime time under the lights, they are here. Games don't get rained out. Even in COVID, they make it there for you. Does anyone else in your life do that? Penn State doesn't get divorced. This is real family. This is family that's here for you, no matter what. That's why we do this every week it's pretty good chris thank you thank you that's my uh that's my acting moment um no but that's that's it like we we love this sport for the highs for the moments and we know that no matter what every single week there's going to be a game and these kids are going to put their bodies on their line for us to have enjoyment like that's what it comes down to yeah i mean you know i'm there's a lot of still a lot of dudes on this roster that I'm very proud of the way they performed this season. Now let, let's not let that get lost in 
how negative this podcast has been. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for this one. We are not going to get to a Rutgers preview this week. Do you want to give any thoughts on the game this weekend? Um, I mean, this is a Rutgers team that's five and five, only one game worse than us. Uh, they did, you know, they opened the season up with just like three bums to beat. That's fine. Uh, they have beat Illinois who we didn't. Um, but outside of, you know, once they got into conference play, they put up 38 on Indiana last week. But other than that, they've been a very low scoring offense, you know, like 13, 13, 13, 7, 23. Like, I think their average on the season is 23, and that's heavily inflated from the 38. And not only that, it's, I think it's more inflated from opening up against Temple and Delaware. Sure. They have 61 and 45 in those two. And that's how much they scored seven, in those games? Yeah. Jesus, and they only put okay. up 17 against Syracuse, who's also not very good. Um, you know, I just uh, – this is a, a team our defense should be able to eat against. Uh, their defense seems decent. Um, they actually do have a sort of tendency to produce some okay – some decent pros out of that defense in Rutgers. Uh, with Shiano, you know, you're going to have, a, I think, a better team than you've seen in the past couple of years. But if, you know, if Penn State plays a good game, this should be a win. It's really, really what it boils down to. It's like, don't yeah. beat yourself. Yeah, I agree. I, I, that's the only stat I looked up is that they are averaging 23 points a game. I didn't even realize that there were three massive outliers. So that probably brings that down to like 18 points a game, realistically. Um, I mean, you could even, I think, keep Indiana in there and it would just take out yeah. Temple and Delaware. Like just say sure. conference play. See what they're averaging in conference play. Yep. Probably, probably somewhere to between 17 and 18, and our defense is good enough that that shouldn't be more than 10 or 13. Like, we shouldn't give up more than 10 or 13 points against them. I was going to say, our offense should be able to score at will. We should be able to move the ball. But I say that every fucking week and every time we stall out like an old manual car. Um, it's just bad. It's bad. So I don't, I don't want to predict anything from the offense, but if our defense is good enough, holds them to only 10 or 13 points, which I think they can, then our offense should be able to score enough to get a victory, even if it's not a complete blowout. Um, and then that'll bring us into the final game against Michigan State, which will be a very difficult matchup. We will do a full preview for that once we get to it. But that's all we got, Pat. Anything Rutgers else? Rutgers is averaging 15.3 points per game in conference. Yeah, we should be at least five points better than that. We should be able to hold them to 10 or less. I'd enjoy that. So this was a long episode, I think. This is probably over an hour at this point. We've vented. We've gotten a lot of frustrations out. Again, this is, this is not the year that you want, but I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet. Uh, and if you guys would like to actually root for a team that wins, uh, Penn State Wrestling has just opened up their season uh, with two wins in the same day. Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, uh, you know, they're, they're, we're looking at a squad that's got a shot at a national championship. It's going to be a tough road ahead. Going to need some, uh, some guys to show up and show some things they haven't yet, but there's a long, long time till March for us to see that. Uh, Penn State basketball opens up, one win, one very bad loss to UMass. Uh, I think it's Coach Shrewsbury's first season. We'll see how it goes. Uh, very high on him. Seems like a great hire. Yeah. That's all we got. I'll be honest. I don't watch those sports. I root for them. I hope they do bet. I hope they do amazing. Pat will be your guy to give you the updates on those throughout the season. Let's go one and all this week. We are.